Good morning, New Hope. Thank you so much for joining us here. Danya and I, again, because of the COVIDs, are not able to be with you this morning. Our son Owen contracted COVID. He had a fever and was feeling pretty low, but he is recovering. Thank you for your prayers. We look forward to being back with you as soon as possible. Some of you are in the room right now. Others of you are also like us, recovering or quarantining at home. We are praying that this variant is going to take us right out of the pandemic. Then it becomes, what do they call it? Like an endemic, where it's just something that we are learning to live with. That is my prayer and my hope for all of us. But right now, the storm keeps raging. We're stuck at home. We are hoping we don't contract COVID again. That was a terrible month for us last year. And for many, COVID has meant so much disruption. And many have said goodbye to loved ones. You and I, we want this to be over. I don't like the storm that we are in. I don't like that I cannot be with you this morning. I don't like that there is uncertainty about the future, ambiguity. I don't like wearing masks any more than you do. I don't like the fact that we can't all be together all of the time. And I certainly don't like that some are dying prematurely because of COVID. But this is where we're at, isn't it? This is the season that we are in. Well, think with me. Your life, our lives are already complex and challenging, and this season has pressed on us all the more. This is like a a super storm, a storm that is stalled over us, and it keeps raining and it keeps blowing. Late school buses, canceled school buses, huge pressure on teachers and school administrators. We see you and we are praying for you. More and more isolation. A lot is on us. You, you've been lonely, isolated, confused, bedraggled. The tensions, the conflict among ourselves is, is it's just difficult. And it just keeps going and it keeps going. Now, while I don't think that Jesus is doing this storm to us, I do think that he's with us and has purpose in it. Thomas Kempis wrote in the 15th century, so we're not the first ones to go through storms. He wrote this, it is good for us to encounter troubles and adversities from time to time, for trouble often compels a man to search his own heart. It reminds him that he is in exile here and that he can put his trust in nothing in this world. It is good too that we sometimes suffer opposition And that men think ill of us and misjudge us, even if we do and mean well. Such things are an aid to humility and preserve us from pride and vainglory. For we more readily turn to God as our inward witness when men despise us and think no good of us. We are in a storm. And depending on your reaction to the storm, there's other people that may have even turned on you. And what Kempis is saying is it it draws us back to God. And this is where we at. We can't make the storm go away. But the scriptures do have something to say about storms. 
This morning, we'll take a fresh look at one of the storms that Jesus led his disciples to. And I bet we'll be encouraged. I bet you will be challenged, just as I am, as I read this this morning. Here's the roadmap of where we're going. We'll just take it in three sections today. Number one, God will, or Jesus will call us out of social conventions and into storms. We'll make sense of that. Number two, Jesus refines us through storms. It's a, it's a crucible. It's a clarifying process to go through. And thirdly, what we'll address this morning is that Jesus needs us to be ready for what he will do on the other side of the storm. It could get crazy. And it's some exciting crazy that we get to talk about. Jesus has purpose and can use this. And I believe he's using it for us, people of New Hope. All right, we'll pick up in Matthew chapter 8. And uh, this last week, I was not supposed to be preaching today, but, um, but as it turns out with all of this reconfiguration of what's going on, here I am preaching, and I read Matthew 8 in my devotions, and then I met with one of the newer people to our church, Paul, and he mentioned Matthew 8, and then I came back to it today as I was thinking about what God would want to share, and this is it. And so this is fresh, and I believe this is something that Jesus wants to give to us today. Matthew records this, chapter 8, verse 18. Now, when Jesus saw great crowds around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side, other side of the lake. A scribe then approached Jesus and said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, foxes have holes. And birds of air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of his disciples said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. A windstorm arose on the sea so great that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. Jesus was asleep. And they went and they woke him up saying, Lord, save us. We are perishing. And then he said to them, why are you afraid? You of little faith. Then he got up, rebuked the wind and seas. And there was a dead calm. They were amazed saying, what sort of man is this? That even the winds and the sea obey him. Immediately following in the next story, it wasn't just the wind and the waves that obeyed him. The demons obeyed him too. And we will come back to this a little bit further on in Matthew chapter 8, verse 32. And he, Jesus, said to them, go. And so they came out. These are the demons. They came out and entered the swine. And suddenly the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and perished in the water. That's the crazy stuff that we are going to get through. But in the meantime, there's a storm. There's a process. There's something that Jesus has us in because he sees what's going to happen on the other side of the storm, on the other side of the lake. As I said, we'll take it in three sections. First of all, Jesus will call us out of social convention. Social convention are the things that are normative for us. He will call us out of the status quo. He will challenge us. Jesus makes no apologies when he calls us to himself, as we will see. Verse 18, now, when Jesus saw the great crowds around him, he gave orders to go to the other side of the lake. So Jesus is the one that's going to send them right through the storm. A scribe then approached and said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. 
Scribes were those who were, they were teachers and they were those who kept the law and they wrote it down. So this person said, teacher, I will follow wherever you, you go. Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the son of man, referring to himself, has nowhere to lay his head. We'll come back to that. Verse 21, another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. We will see that Jesus is calling us out of normal social conventions. This scribe, let's look at him first. In verse 19, the scribe knew that Jesus was teacher. He was a master teacher. He wanted to follow Jesus, who was obviously this supreme teacher. He taught with such authority that all the heads turned because he was, he was teaching something that just felt so fresh and real and powerful. He wanted to follow Jesus wherever he went. Perhaps this scribe was thinking about the eventuality of the great teaching academy that Jesus would oversee. And he wanted to be a part of this great teaching ministry. Teachers or rabbis were highly esteemed, and the scribes saw something with Jesus that he wanted to aspire to him. Jesus promptly tells him that he won't have a home, that birds make nests, foxes burrow into the ground, but the Son of Man will be on the move. There will be no great teaching academy. There is not a final destination for Jesus. There is no home. There's nothing that he is building that would be of substance relative to the, the things that the world would consider to be important. All of us, each of us tends to follow Jesus for what we think Jesus might do for us. But all of us have far too little imagination for what Jesus is up to. This scribe, Perhaps, this scribe perhaps thought that connecting himself to Jesus would be the means to his own sense of identity and purpose. So when I felt, when I said yes to Jesus, I felt also immediately at age 16 compelled to go into ministry. And that night that I gave my heart to Jesus, it was huge, it was emotional, and I had literal visions of speaking before thousands of people. It excited me to think of speaking. And then I went to Bible college and to prepare for preaching and teaching and pastoring others. And I got my degree, and then I moved back to my hometown to work at Taco Bell. That's what I did. And at Taco Bell, as a college graduate, I was trained by a 15-year-old girl on how to make burritos, and I wasn't good at it. And so they put me on the drive up, the drive through, and I tried to use my refined oratory voice through the drive through, taking burrito orders. Welcome to Cresswell Taco Bell. May I take your order, please? <laughs> and then I would hand bags of food to people that I had graduated with. As you can imagine, this was all a lesson in humility. It's all a lesson in humility. I had an idea of what following Jesus might mean for my sense 
of worth or purpose or opportunity to do what I wanted to do and I felt like it might bring me something. Perhaps I was like the scribe. I will follow you wherever you go, thinking that where I would go would land me in a spot of prominence. But there I was, seven years later, handing out burritos at Taco Bell. Jesus doesn't call us for our own glory. He calls us for his glory and for his purposes. And he's willing to disappoint, to disrupt, to contradict us so that we get onto the stream of following him. I wonder if I would have been willing to give up everything for the sake of Jesus, including my visions for what I might be one day. Next, the disciple says, Jesus, hey, first let me go. First, before I follow right now, I need to go bury my father. In that day and age, it is possible that this man would have wanted to go square up his inheritance after the passing of his father so that he knew that he would be provided for as he went on this journey with Jesus. He wanted to follow Jesus after he knew he had something to live on. And some of us would call that wise, counting the cost. But when the Son of God calls us, we don't take it upon ourselves to provide, but we are called to step out in trust and trust that he will be the provider. We all tend to. This is, this, is, <laughs> this is all of us. We all tend to follow Jesus when we feel like we can afford it, with our time or with our money. And we are all hesitant to give all to Jesus. We don't like to be sacrificial. There's something about us that wants to hold on to control and think that eventually we will get to giving everything to Jesus. But Jesus called this man and he said, let the dead bury their own dead. Now is the time to follow me. Yes, this relates of how you and I perceive of our own time and our own resource. Our discipleship to Jesus will always exact a cost on our time and our treasure. It always will. It is noble that the man wanted to take care of his family and maybe make arrangements after his father's death. But Stanley Hauerwas says this, Jesus, who will die on our behalf, requires that those who would follow him not let death determine their relationship to the living. My goodness, Jesus reverses everything and he's willing to peer into our hearts and see what is inhibiting us and challenge us so that we would get on the road of faith with him. Jesus was calling his followers in this story. We see calling. That means like he's separating out. He's, he's evaluating hearts because he knew what lay ahead, storms. To get in the boat with Jesus is to be ready to go through the storms that he has for us, the storms that refine us. This particular section of Matthew is, is a template of what it means to follow Jesus. As people declare their intentions to follow Jesus, he discerns their hearts and those who get in the boat, who are imperfect, as we shall see. Do not be confused. They are imperfect. They were just ready enough for the next crucible, which would be a massive storm. Let's pick up the story. Jesus refines us through storms in verse 23, immediately following Jesus being pretty harsh with these 
people that wanted to prioritize some other things rather than just following Jesus in faith. Verse 23, and when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. Notice Jesus went first. A windstorm arose on the sea so great that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but Jesus was asleep. And they went and they woke him up saying, Lord, save us. We are perishing. Have you been in a moment like that? It feels like everything is going to be swamped and maybe the, the pressures that you're experiencing in your family or the conflict or just this unending season that we've talked about, it feels like everything is going in and you're crying out and that's why you're here. And I would suggest you're in the boat and you're forced to ask the Lord to save you. If you're hearing this message right now, your faith might be small, but Jesus sees it. They went and woke him up, Lord save us. And he said to them, This is what he said to them. This is what he says to us. Why are you afraid? You of little faith, of tiny faith, tiny trust. Then Jesus got up promptly, rebuked the wind and the seas, and there was a dead calm. The storm stopped. They were amazed, saying, What sort of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Let's notice that Jesus got on the boat first. Reminder, it is Jesus who commanded them to prepare to go to the other side. He commanded it and then Jesus got in the boat first. It could be that as it came time to get in the boat, the disciples, they were fishermen. They could have, the storm that's coming, the storm that's coming. It could be that the challenging words to the scribe and the would-be disciple had given his disciples just enough wherewithal to not contradict Jesus this time, to get in the boat, even if it was going to be gnarly. It could be they had just enough. They saw the example. It's like, okay, don't mess with Jesus. The, the storm, we know, we're fishing. Many of us just... And they just shut their mouths and they got into the boat. These men, many of them were fishermen and they did know how to read the signs of the weather. This message here might serve as a warning to you. This message will give you just enough courage to stop questioning Jesus and to follow him, to get to the next step of your faith, to step into the next thing. It is always uncertain. It is always unknown. It is always scary. And according to what you see, according to what I see, it seems impossible. Get in the boat. Now, if you do stick with him and you do follow him, it is likely you will experience his provision, his power, his faithfulness in the midst of the worst sort of storms. I would much rather be not the people on the shore who were able to huddle in their safe homes, but rather to be the disciples in the boat who experienced the terror of the storm. I wonder about you. Sure enough, the windstorm came up. Maybe the worst of their life. Likely, again, it was the worst of their life because they knew it was coming and on their own, they wouldn't have got into the boat if Jesus hadn't commanded them and then also went first to get into the boat. And the storm is now raging. (laughs) I was going to do a storm impression, but it just didn't quite come together in my mind of how that should work. And Jesus is asleep. Any heavy sleepers out there? 
Yep, your spouses probably know the one that's a heavy sleeper. Those of you with newborns, you've realized that one of you gets up more easily than the other one. There's some heavy sleepers. If you're a heavy sleeper, apparently it's very Christ-like to be a heavy sleeper because Jesus was sleeping heavily in the midst of this storm. Side note, Jesus was tired from all the ministry. If you, if you read the backstory, he'd been healing people, he'd been ministering, he'd been contradicting people, he'd been calling his disciples, and he was tired. If you, this is the side note, if you serve on behalf of Jesus, and if you ever get weary, Jesus did too. And my encouragement to you is find a boat and sleep it off. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did right here. Be renewed in your strength with the Lord. And he is he's with us. He sympathizes with our weaknesses. And certainly any sort of ministry fatigue that you might have, Jesus had as well. And when they awoke, they forgot. The disciples, now they, uh, now they, when Jesus awoke, not when they awoke, when Jesus awoke, they forgot who they were serving. A reminder to you, they had said, Lord, save us. Lord. And there's some irony right here because that word Lord has been normalized for us. You know, we pray, Lord, God, Lord, this, and it's very used. We don't use it in any other context except for referring to Jesus. That wasn't so for that day. And so there's some irony with how Matthew records it. Lord is not just another nickname of Jesus, but rather the Greek word here is kurios, and it is a title of authority. It's the title that is given to Caesar. Lord, all-powerful. The identification is the one who has authority. And the disciples had just seen Jesus heal people miraculously, and they rightly called him Lord, but in calling him Lord, they were not acting as if he really was the Lord. They knew that Jesus held the power, but as Jesus corrects them, it's obvious that their fear was overshadowing what they knew to be true. And Jesus, this Lord, this Savior, he stilled the wind and the waves. But first, before he did, he called their faith little, small. This will not be the last time that Jesus corrects his disciples' small faith. But small faith is, is enough. At least they were in the boat. They had got there. They had seen Jesus contradict others. They wanted to be with him. They knew that he had the words of life. They knew that he was indeed Lord. He wasn't just teacher like the scribe had said. He was Lord. And they wanted to be, but their faith was so small. They wanted to be, and they were in the boat. Small faith is enough. Stanley Howaross compares the boat to being like the church. It feels like we could go under. But only in the community of fellow believers, the people around you, bound together by our willingness to tra traverse the storms together, only by being in it can we get a front row seat to watch God's power work through our Lord. This is what the Christian community is. We're bound together. The storms are raging. We can't control those, but we can look to Jesus together and say, Lord, save us. It is never easy to follow this Jesus. But he says, get in the boat. And then he chastises us for our little faith. 
but our little faith is just enough because we get to see the miraculous. We get to see the impossible happening. I encourage you, leave behind your excuses and follow Jesus. Jesus, his teaching is hard. Last week's teaching was hard, wasn't it? That wasn't just Isaac ideas. Those are Jesus ideas. His standards are high, but there's nothing better than being in the boat. The waves were stilled. The wind stopped. They caught their breath. Their faith grew just a bit. And upon landing, they were immediately confronted by two demon-possessed, tormented men. And here's the third section. Jesus needs us to be ready for what he will do on the other side of the storm. Because it could get crazy. They got to the other side of the boat and these men who were oppressed and tormented and, and, and driving away others and making that area impassable. Jesus cast the demons out of them and into a herd of pigs. Read the whole story. Mark 5 tells more detail. Mark 5 <laughs> records this in verse 15. They came to Jesus and saw the demonic, uh, demoniac sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. After Jesus cast the demons out, this man who was previously a tormentor of others and tormented himself is now sitting there. He's got clothes on. Everybody praise God for that. And he's in his right mind. Someone who was previously tormented, sick in mind and soul, doomed to stay in bondage, was freed. The disciples were not the wise or the clever ones. They were not the ones who came up with the program of how to save somebody like this. But because of their little faith, they got to see true freedom take place. And recall our main point. Jesus will call us out of social conventions to get on a path of refinement so that we are ready for the incredible ministry that he will do with us on the other side of this storm. Yes, the storm is real, but hey, we are in the boat together. We are huddled. All of our collective faith together is small. Jesus is present, even though he might not be answering quite yet, because he is maybe having one eye open, wondering if we're allowing our faith to be refined so that we would eventually come to the realization that we need to cry out, Lord, save us so that he will stand and in the right moment and he will still the wind and the waves, not just to give us a serene existence on the Sea of Galilee, but to take us to the other side to do the ministry that he has called us for. And the, the, the ministry is this, that the sick being healed, those who are sick in mind, those who are depressed, those who are anxious, those who are worried, those who are afraid, those who have lived through conflict, those who have been discarded by society, those who are poor, those who are desolate, those for whom the world is not working for very well, we get to extend the hand of Jesus to them and those who are tormented will be set free only if we endure this storm and we allow our tiny faith to become just a little bit bigger. I encourage you, stay on this boat with Jesus get to the other side of the storm so we can watch the miraculous happen together. He has ministry ahead for you and I. So here's a couple of thoughts of application. And then the team is going to lead in communion. Number one, get in the boat of new hope and learn to have small faith with the rest of us bewildered 
disciples. That's all we are. We're just willing to say yes, just a bit longer. Would you do that? And maybe you're newer with us and we just welcome you to this journey that we are in, enduring this storm together. And we hope to strengthen one another, but more than anything, we hope to avert all, divert all of our eyes to Jesus because he is even the Lord over this storm that we are in. Courage. Now, we are offering emotionally healthy discipleship as a course that will begin next week. And you still have a day or two to sign up for it. And some of you are like on the shore and you're wondering, well, I'll do it next time because I got to go take care of this. And this might be one of those opportunities for you to recognize that Jesus is saying, you know, let that take care of itself later. There's something powerful for you. You need to be on that boat as they go through this journey together. And I don't say that to manipulate you, but really to ask you to consider that this opportunity is provided for another step of faith for you. I encourage you to sign up today. You can do that at inewhope.org. You can do that on the app. You can do that out in the Connection Center after the service. And number three, all of us know enough about this life, this present season, the COVID season, just the reality of the storms of life, and we see it coming. We see it coming. Parts of us want to run. Parts of us want to somehow avoid this storm, to check out, to take control of our life. See those waves coming? Jesus already has a way out. And the way forward is through. The way out is to go through with him. And I would say, with us. We will get to see some great, amazing, Jesus-only kind of work on the other side of the storm. It is my prayer, it's my hope that we stay in the fight, that we cling to Jesus together, that we would be this band of disciples that are at least willing to be in the boat. The team is gonna lead you in communion and then I will be back up in a couple of minutes with some important announcements. As you reflect on communion, consider this. The greatest storm that any of us face is death itself. And Jesus, our Savior, courageously went all the way to death. He endured that storm. And that storm itself was transformed into resurrection because of his courage and his willingness to go through it. Allow that picture to encourage you. Your Jesus, your Savior, has gone before you and is now inviting you out onto the water of faith with him. And he will strengthen you as you partake of his blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins, his body broken so that we can be healed together. I'll pray and then the team will lead you from here. Father, Son, and Spirit, thank you for your word. Thank you for this account that Matthew records for us, that, that the scriptures record for us so that we can be strengthened, so we can be challenged. Jesus, your way is so much different than our way. I pray for every person Lord, that is struggling with the storms that they are in. I pray that they would find you in the midst of it. 
I pray, Lord, that we be willing to be rebuked for our small faith and that we receive encouragement because on the other side of these storms are great opportunities for the lost to be found, for healing and hope to come. We praise you for that. I pray blessing upon new hope. Thank you for this church family. Thank you for those who are joining it. Thank you for those who are committed to it. Lord, we look forward to everything you'll do through us. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Um, there's some special announcements that we want to make this morning. Of course, I wish that Donnie and I could be here with you in person to make these announcements, but it is what it is right now. And so I'm excited to share with you some of the movement going forward for New Hope. Now, as we've gone through the COVID season and we've been adjusting and making things work and getting people back in the room and um, family tables the way that they are, we've also been evaluating how do we need to pivot going forward? And there's a few things that we've discerned that are really important for the, the next season, which has to do, of course, with our Sunday gatherings, but also our overall arc of ministry. And there's three priorities that um, I and the leaders have really seen that we need to address. First of all, prioritizing this, strengthening our ministry to the next generation, youth ministry and children's ministry. That's the first priority. The second priority is being together. We need to be all together. We, we need to know who we are, the congregation that we are. And so I'm going to announce some things that, that are around being all together. And then finally, in the last season, our outreach effort has increased. And we've realized that we need to provide better and stronger leadership for our here, near, and far outreach. So in order to accomplish these goals or to, to achieve these values that we're putting in place, we are doing the following, and I'm excited to share these with you. These changes are effective immediately. Number one, Devin Allen, who has been our worship intern, he has been selected to oversee our worship arts ministry. So Devin is in the process of finishing Bible college. He's interned with New Hope for a couple of years, and we are excited for Devin to take the reins of our worship arts ministry and to lead us forward. Very exciting. And you'll get to hear from Devin in just a moment. Well, that means that James Gerber, who is currently our worship arts and facilities pastor, that means that his role is changing. He has handed the reins to Devin so that he and his wife, Ashley, can take over our youth ministry, serving middle to high school. Now, James has extensive pastoral experience He's noted for, both James and Ashley are noted for how well they work with young people, and they are excited to lead our youth ministry forward, and you get to hear from them in just a moment. Uh, the final staff change, before I tell another change, George Nix, um, who is a longtime Foursquare pastor, and he and his wife Susan moved to the area in the last couple of years, and he has accepted the part-time role of outreach pastor, and he will oversee our here, near, and far efforts. He will build teams to expand and oversee our food pantry. He will provide leadership for our sports ministry, which is led by Ruben Erickson. He will uh, provide leadership for our safe parking program, which is led by Chris Callantine. Thank you very much, Chris, for your leadership. And he will oversee our far 
missions efforts. Sheo, which Lacey Carlson helps out with a lot, um, in Guatemala and other um, cross-cultural efforts that we will be a part of. George brings years of pastoral experience, as I mentioned, to this role, and we look forward to you getting to serve alongside of George. So um, those are some, some big staff changes, exciting, and also it's change. And so um, it requires something of us. Uh, and uh, in just a moment, we're going to hear from all three of those changes so you can hear their hearts a little bit. I just want to say that I am so excited for each of these positions and what these individuals are going to bring to their role. And I wish I could be with them in person right now. The final change that I want to let you know about, which is really accomplishing this idea that we need to be together, all together more. We want to be all together as much as possible. This is a part of why we are doing emotionally healthy discipleship all together here in the big room on Sunday nights, trying to have some experiences together. After prayer and conversation and getting input from you through the survey that we sent out um, a couple of weeks ago, um, we have decided to combine our two Sunday morning services into one 10 a.m. service. And this will take effect on February 13th, which is two weeks from today. So next Sunday, it'll be normal, 9 and 11. The following Sunday, we are combining into one 10 a.m. service. A few things that make us really excited as a staff team and as I process with the councils and other leaders here at church. One, we will be all together in one room. And we need that. We need to see one another. Secondly, this is going to help our children's ministry to be able to open more classrooms sooner, um, staffing this one service. And some of you have felt compelled to work with kids, and there's going to be fresh and new opportunities as we start moving towards opening more classrooms. Very exciting. Also, we, we envision before or after service gatherings so we can be all together. So some ideas, nothing in stone yet, but what would it be like to have like an 8.30 pancake breakfast before church for a month straight? And you can come bring your family and get to know some of the other families in the church. Or with an earlier getting out time, we could have a potluck lunch together. Things of that nature to where we can be again all together. Now, we recognize that any change is, is disruptive, and we've heard from you on, on, on your preferences around service times and what would be best or what would be preferable for you. And, and as you can imagine, that's all over the map in terms of what is preferable. We, uh, so we're meeting in the middle, 10 a.m., and it is our heart and hope that everybody would be able to adjust to this so we can be, we could say it together now, all together. So you might have some questions, and you'd like to share those questions, and we would love to be able to talk with you. I, particularly, would love to be able to talk with you. Any of the pastors or council members would be glad to talk with you as well, but please don't hesitate to reach out. And I'm putting my email address right here on the screen in case you're not familiar with it. You can email me directly, and then we'll get a time to talk either over the phone or over a cup of coffee so we can hear from you. Now, I'm going to hand it back over to these uh, three staff changes that are coming, and you get to hear just a little bit from 
them, and, uh, and then we'll be done today. Thank you for staying a bit longer to hear these very special and important announcements. All right. Yes, thank you, Sky Isaac, or Sky Isaac, as we've now referred to him as. Yeah, so in summary, there's a lot of change, right? And change can be difficult, and change can be, it's just change. It's, it's different. And I, for one, am excited, though, too. I think change can be exciting, and I'm excited for the 110 a.m. service. I don't know about you guys, but I'm excited to just be all together in one room. And then I, I also am just confident. I'm confident that the Lord has led us to this place and that we're discerning his spirit together. And, and as promised, we're going to be able to hear from each of these about just a little bit about their new role and maybe something about them. Um, and I'll start. I, again, I feel so confident this, this has been something that the Lord has kind of orchestrated. And my calling, my, my personal calling, I've said this before to probably several of you and probably several people in this room, is that I believe I'm called, no matter what my role is, uh, what my title is, to be a developer of people, to be somebody that my calling in my life is to love people in Jesus' name and to see them reach their full potential in Jesus, to make disciples who make disciples. And so no matter what my role is, that's what I'm called to. Um, I've had the pleasure the last three years of getting to invest in Devin, one of the people that I've gotten to invest into, and to see him just blossom and grow into this this man who's ready to just walk right into this new role. And I am more than, <laughs> I'm so confident that he is ready for it. And this is the next best step for him as, as well. So I'm really excited for you, man. And you'll get it. We'll get to hear from Devin in just a second. Um, but I'm excited to bring that calling into youth ministry, to invest into our leaders, to love on them, um, and to, to love on our students and help them to see their potential in Jesus and see themselves in God's bigger story of being people that have the opportunity, no matter where they go, to be able to bring the love of Jesus every place that, that they're in um, and to walk out their callings with their giftings as individuals. They're all different. We're all different. God has gifted us. He's put us in places that we are, uh, that only we're at, and he wants to use each of us as individuals to love people in Jesus' name. So I'm excited to bring that vision to youth and to build on, uh, build on an amazing foundation that already exists. So that's, yeah, that's kind of my piece. But Ashley, we'd love to hear a little bit from you, so you can use my microphone, I guess. Okay. Okay, well, I'm Ashley, in case, yeah, I am wife of James, or he is my husband. Um, yeah. All right, so I wanted to give you a little bit of background on me. Um, back in August, I felt a nudge to go serve in youth group. Um, it was a kind of a surprise to me, but I felt like the Holy Spirit was leading me, so in obedience, I said yes, not knowing what to expect, and started serving in September. Uh, I have just loved getting to know the kids and the youth leaders. Um, what I've loved most about youth group uh, is the priority that everyone is invited, everyone is welcome, and every single kid belongs. Uh, a favorite verse of mine is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, or, uh, yeah, 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Acknowledging God means to seek his wise counsel or to literally ask him what to do. And he will make your path straight means he'll tell you. He will make your path straight. Um, he will guide you in which way to go. So when Isaac asked us to step up and into this role, we were both surprised, honestly. Um, but after acknowledging God, we felt so much peace and excitement and really just like confirmation of what I had heard back in August. Um, so 
even though this is new and unexpected, we're like thrilled. We're just thrilled to go where God wants us. We're excited to continue to be a place where every kid belongs. Uh, that's truly our heart for these kids. It's also our heart to really show these kids the way of Jesus, to help cultivate and nurture them into who God has created them to be. Uh, we look forward to seeing what God does with the youth, and there are exciting things coming up, lots of changes, um, but we're just so happy to get to be a part of what God is doing. So, yeah, here's Devin. Oh, oh I have one. Okay. Yes, you may clap. Sorry. That was... <laughs> Oh, man. I also wrote notes because I didn't want to cry. And then, you know, the things, all the things. James and I are feeling it this morning. <laughs> um, yeah, well, first of all, I just want to start off by saying I'm absolutely honored and excited to be stepping into this role um, in a more official capacity. Some of you may be slightly confused because you see me so often. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've been interning here for the past couple of years under James, and um, it's been a blessing. Um, yeah, New Hope's been my home for so many years. I mean, I was counting them the other day with my parents, I think like 16 years. That's most of my life. <laughs> I am only, I, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty young. Do I say my name? I'm, right, I'm 22, okay? I'm turning 23 in May, so I'm, I'm pretty young. So that's like all of my life. And uh, the reason you see me so much is because New Hope's been such a place of opportunity for me uh, to, to cultivate me as a young leader. Um, and that's a vision that I'm excited that the Gerbers, James and Ashley, are carrying into our youth because they've, I've literally lived that out. He's lived that out with me. Um, and it's just, an attest, it's just a testament to what's coming. I'm so excited. Um, but yeah, I just want to say uh, thank you to the council. Uh, this church has supported me as I go through Bible college and as I've interned these past couple years. I'm excited to now be stepping into this position and responsibility in a new way. It's been my privilege to be part um, of what allows Ashley and James to, to follow their heart and pursue their, their next calling. Um, and I'm also just looking forward to being a part of New Hope in this next season as I continue to the best of my ability, steward well the solid foundation that James is handing to me. Um, and I just want to say, you know, I say it a lot, and it's true. I love you guys, and I just am really excited for this next season. So, Yay, we love you too, Devin. Yeah, give it up for Devin. George, you've got something to, to say as well too. Yeah, uh, good morning. And uh, I, am, I am just so thrilled uh, that I get an opportunity to serve this body and uh, really in this role. And I, I, as I thought about even what I was going to say, I, I thought, I know that the, this particular responsibility, I cannot do it alone. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to need some help. And uh, the first thing I thought of was, man, I feel like I just need to make an appeal. Um, this position is probably one that will make a lot of appeals. But uh, let me just make this appeal to you this morning. Um, first thing is just, uh, would you pray? Uh, pray the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the fields. The, the harvest is white. Yeah, come on. In all these areas, the harvest is white. And, uh, and then let me encourage you to ask the Lord, Lord, how can I be involved? How can you be involved? And uh, I want to invite you to step into the boat, like Pastor Isaac said this morning. Let's step into the boat and uh, pray about it. If there's something that God puts on your heart, uh, come and talk to me. I'd love to have a conversation with you a little bit more about that. And uh, let's get involved and see the Lord change lives. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, thank guys. You can all have a seat. And uh, just a couple things as we wrap. Um, 
Yeah, you know, a little bit ago we sang the song Build My Life, and in the, in the chorus we sang, uh, I will build my life upon you, a firm foundation. And I, I, I truly believe that if, if we're willing to give the Lord our lives, we, we also ought to trust him with our church as well, too. And I, I really believe that as a leadership team, we are doing that. We are really presenting this whole thing to the Lord and saying, Lord, do what you want, have your way. I'm reminded of the proverb that says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builder builds in vain. And I, and I believe we're, we're submitting this to the Lord and allowing him to build his, his house the way that he wants to. Um, so I, I pray for us and then a couple more details. But Lord... We love you and we trust you. We're so excited for this new season. Would you continue to be our leader um, as we move forward, God? Would you show us the way? We love you. We thank you. We lift you up. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.